Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Up to the nine foot homemade oak bar, pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris, his name is Craig. Coming out of the Labor Day weekend, uh, I feel more tired, my friend. I, I thought that I rested laying around for a couple of days, and I, I, I keep rubbing sleep out of my eyes today. Like, I'm just, uh, I'm just, bleh. oh, you know, I mean, it's, and, and it, it kind of feels that way here at the very end of the, the pirate season. There's lots to talk about. We could talk a lot about guys and what they're doing and how they should be used, but even the pirates are doing it. You look at their the OPSs of these these players, these hitters. They're all diving. They're all going down the average or below average all of a sudden. All the positivity in the middle of the year, it's like they've decided the season's over and they still got to play for a month. Yeah, it's it's been tough, man, to watch over the past couple weeks here and, and especially since the All-Star break. And a lot of people will point to, you know, Daniel Vogelback and, and what he's, you know, doing with the Mets and you know, what he was doing here. And, and maybe that equals out to, well, number one, he's in a better lineup, so I would hope he'd be hitting better. And then number two, it, it may equal out to like another win here or there, but it's it's not enough. There's not enough protection in the lineup. Cabrian Hayes in and out with, with injuries, just gonna, kind of getting nicked up here towards the end of the season. You know, even if you have like a Brian Reynolds, a, a Cabrian Hayes, O'Neill Cruz, you know, a, a veteran like like Ben Gamble, who a lot of people, you know, we had that discussion, Chris, and they're saying, you know, why wouldn't you keep Ben Gamble around? And you kind of asked me the same thing. I know he was hurt this season, but the dude equals out to his career as like 1.4 war for his career. And this year he's just above a replacement level player. So, I mean, it's just, I, I try to stay positive. Uh, we're recording here on Tuesday, comes out on Wednesday, hoping for a good another good start for Mitch Keller. Maybe another 10 strikeout performance to to at least smile a little bit on this uh, this gloomy day after Labor Day. And Chris, I, I'm tired too. And and watching the Pirates, I I sometimes I just want to watch my son's you know little league baseball team more than I'd rather watch the Pittsburgh Pirates at this point in time. I get it. I understand. This is all brought to you by Yins Three Dynasties, One Brand. Yins, finally one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yins on the Twitter. Uh, I'm sure the Instagram for new merch drops and giveaways. You can order online at shopyins.com. There's two Z's in that. And you can also see the link in the show notes on the website for Bucks in the Basement. High quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold. Made for Yins by a Yinzer and the proud sponsors of Bucks in the Basement. I would say... Looking at the back end of this year, you can come to a couple of quick snap judgments, and I don't know if you agree with these. One, uh, Derek Shelton, if he's going to continue to be the manager of the team, he can't let these guys let up at the end. That That's an indictment, and he needs to to find a way to keep the energy going, and that guys don't like, well, I don't want to hear in the offseason, well, you know, he was great until about mid-August. 
And then it just got, it became a long season. I don't, I don't want to hear those excuses. The other thing is, at some point this offseason, you have to start entertaining the possibility of bringing in a couple of professional hitters. All right? I'm not telling you you got to go out and get the number one guy on the market. But you have to add a few professional veteran hitters amongst your younger players because they need somebody to feed off of. It's the same thing with having a professional starting pitcher who's a veteran that can sit there and look at the young guys and say, Let's go. This is how you do things. I thought it was very interesting in the national game that happened over the weekend. I want to say it was uh, White Sox Twins. They interviewed Lance Lynn. This is a guy who's been around forever. And Lynn basically explained that Dylan Cease, who's a young pitcher, you knew he was going to be great when he finally started going to the older guys and asking questions. You can't expect a ton of young guys just show up as a nucleus and figure it out. Bring in a few guys, and I'm not talking role players. I'm talking real Major League Baseball players that you're signing to three, four-year contracts that are going to be there when you're competing for a championship. You can start making those signings now, even if you don't intend to make it to the World Series next year, because those guys are still expected to be performing in two years and still part of your team. Yeah, Chris, and that's something we talked about, you know, I think it was like last week or the week before was, you know, bringing in an, an actual you know, starting pitcher for more than just that one year, more than just the Jose Quintana, more than just the Tyler Anderson, somebody that would be here for a little bit longer. Because right now, I mean, Mitch Keller has improved. JT Brubaker has come back to form slightly. You know, you got a young pitcher in uh, a Rowanzi Contreras who talked about how much he liked having Jose Quintana there at the beginning of the season to kind of like mentor him. So it, it it definitely fits into that, that, you know, instead of waiting for, you know, Mitch Keller or JT Brubaker or somebody else to become that, that veteran presence to have somebody who's, who's been there and, and kind of done that before. And dude, they definitely have to get a bat. And it's, it's gotta be, I mean, if you can get something like I said, Daniel Vogelback, I mentioned him already, and it was it was good for what he was brought in for. He was a he was a strict DH. Like people say, you know, he's he was a first baseman too. The guy played he's played like five innings at first base. He's he's not gonna be a first baseman. And you definitely need to get somebody over there and hopefully one other person in the outfield to kind of tie the lineup together a little bit because when you have just such a young lineup and such an inexperienced lineup, you can see it going in waves. Like, it'll it'll go up and it'll go down based on, you know, I don't know. Like, if, if they get streaky. Young guys get streaky. That's kind of just what happens. And you don't have uh, even like a Brian Reynolds who's, you know, he's only been around for like three years to, to, try to, to try to, you know, wrangle the troops together. But he's also not one of those, you know, real vocal leaders in the clubhouse. He's a guy that kind of leads by example, which isn't a bad thing to have. But yeah, Chris, it's just, it's a real, I, I hate to keep on using hodgepodge. It's, it's a real hodgepodge of players. And I wouldn't say nothingness because we've we've had Mike Piercek on. We've kind of talked about that there are certain players there that, you know, you still want to look to see what they're going to do next year. But yeah, Derek Shelton can't just let this go. You need vets. You need guys that are part of the nucleus now. I mean, this would be the year where I could make a very strong case to say, okay, you're not going out and getting the premier free agents. You're not You're not in the Aaron Judge sweepstakes, okay? Slap yourself if you think so. But a Trey Mancini coming in at first base 
who can move to a corner outfield position or, or DH for you, who's gone through adversity in his career, is not too old, and is probably going to hit well for the next three, four years. You can probably go target a guy like that and add in a veteran presence on your team. Like, you're not getting Anthony Rizzo. He's too late in his career. He's not interested, right? But a guy like Mancini would be interesting. Another guy to be really interesting would be like a Luis Severino. I think he's going to be out there, and he might only be getting like people knocking on his door for one-year prove-it deals because of the injuries. But if this guy is more along the lines of, say, what, look at Johnny Cueto, had a surgery, disappeared for a year or two, comes back, and, and he's a superstar all of a sudden again, right? Look at a guy like Severino and his age. Like, there's the kind of guy you go target. You bring that guy in and you win the lottery on it, and you've got yourself a guy who's been there, won a bunch of games, been really good. You got a few years on him. I mean, these... That I'm I'm saying don't go after the top free agents, but get involved with some of these other ones. You need to start putting some pieces in there that are going to be there for three, four years that have gone and played, had success, and that aren't just guys that are trying to figure out, am I even a major leaguer? There's a lot of guys on this team that still aren't even sure. Am I a major leaguer? And that that's a problem. And, you know, if you bring in a guy like Mancini... Yeah, you're you're moving Chavis away, but uh, you've you've seen holes in him. You see him as a platoon guy, don't you? Yeah, and and we talked about this a while ago, Chris. Where you know we kind of just looked at the you know versus lefted hand left-handed you know pitchers versus right-handed pitchers, and when you break that down, we're like, okay, well he's batting you know two sixty three, two sixty one OPS against left-handed pitchers. He's got like the two sixteen and you know. 607 OPS uh and that's just in this season but you you broke down even further like his career splits and you know against right-handed pitching he he was a little bit better so it's like maybe he could just get even close to 700 against against right-handed well Chris I I I know some people like Fangraph some people like baseball reference I, I'm kind of more of a baseball reference guy just because I'm more I, I just can break down the the stats a little bit easier and they do it in a way that it's if it's a right-handed starter or if it's a left-handed starter, it doesn't matter what the handedness of the relief pitcher is after that. They just stick with, okay, when it's a right-handed starter, it could be all lefties after that. Michael Chavis is batting 192 with a 510 OPS when there's a right-handed starter. Doesn't matter who comes in after that. If it's a left-handed starter, he's batting 279 with an 832 OPS. So you start him against left-handers. Whether it's a left-hander or a right-hander that comes in afterwards, if the pitcher in the beginning of the game is a left-hander, he performs on the OPS over 300 points higher. So that's that's the definition of a platoon guy, and he's a guy that can play first base, second base, outfield, and a pinch. I'm not saying he doesn't have a place on this team, but a guy that is, you know... Believe me, I'm happy for what he did at first base this year. It was an absolute disaster with Yoshi Tsutsugo. Don't want to see Josh Van Meter put over there. You know, there wasn't really anybody to fill in in that spot. So guess what? Michael Chavis stepped up. He did what he needed to do. But he's kind of at this point in time over this season proven that, you know what? He's a platoon bat. So, and there, and guess what? On a competitive team and you have years of control with him, there's nothing wrong with that. But don't make him into being more. He's a serviceable to good player on a bad team. Well, here's the thing. I I see him as, if he's an everyday player, he's towards the bottom of your lineup. 
and you might move him up if he's got a left-handed starter. But I'm with you on this one. I mean, when you look at his career numbers, it tells a little bit of a different story. 676 OPS against righties, 740 against lefties. That says, ah, it ain't so bad over his career with, with you know, you look at all 646 uh, plate appearances, and it's not so great with the 383 plate appearances against left-handed pitching. But when you break it down the way you do, you see it a little bit more stark in, in terms of contrast. I, I agree with you that he has a place on this team. I also would say... You don't have to. You don't have to look at him and say, "Well, first base is taken care of." See, I, I think you're making a mistake if you're saying that. These are the kind of guys that get moved out of the way when you become competitive. And he still has a role, and he's still going to stand there a couple days a week, and he's going to move around. But I, I think I think he's got a role on the Pittsburgh Pirates. I just think that when you start putting this team together, when Ben Charrington starts adding and you know putting some finishing touches on this. That he will move into a different role. That's that's what I see for him. Unless all of a sudden, with all the playing time that he's getting right now, he's able to find a way to start hitting, uh, you know, the the right-handed pitching well enough that he can become an everyday player. That's his goal. His personal goal is to figure out how to do that. Until he does it, that you can't you can't consider him an everyday player. And again, that's why there's going to be a lot of guys that can stand at first base that are out there that are professional bats in free agency that you can add that you can get for a couple years that are going to be an upgrade and are going to be there in your competitive window. I'm not saying you're competing for a championship in 2023, but you could start signing guys now for competing for that championship in a year or two. And now is the time to start doing it because you don't go in the free agency the year you're ready to compete and get six guys, especially when you have an owner like Bob Nutting who isn't going to open up his checkbook to be able to do that and shock the rest of the baseball world. That's also looking at those guys. Yeah. And, and, Ultimately, I, I feel like it comes down to, to Ben Sherrington as well. I know that the, the buck and the literal buck stops with Bob Nutting. So so Ben Sherrington has to, you know, make him open up that wallet book. I'm, I'm hoping that, like we've talked about, they potentially, hopefully had that conversation about the little piggy bank to put some money in that we've saved and, and whatever it may be to do, you know, something. All that money was spent on those plaques, those 19 plaques they put up. That was it. It was it was all on the plaques and it's it's all been put on the uh, the the new revamped uh, kid zone and and right. uh, and the new bars in the outfield. Did and you, did you see that Hall of Fame presentation? I mean, there was a lot of money spent there. Yeah, he he definitely did. I mean, he stood up there and 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 we talked about this, Chris. I I did watch it. Uh, unfortunately, I uh, was not able to attend the game, but I did watch it because I I did want to see how the ceremony went down and. And and they did a, a pretty good job with it. I I know that there are some concerns about you know numbers of players. Uh, there should have been more. There should have been people that you know could have been you know more guarantees. Like I, I, before the show, we were talking about like a, you know, I was thinking like maybe Manny Sanguian. got Manny's barbecue out there. Signs signs the uh, the autographs every day. Has become almost like a, an unofficial ambassador. Was also on, you know, the world the world championship team. I uh, was Roberto Clemente's best friend. I uh, still, you know, really good friends with a lot of the pirates out there. You know, out there as you know, one of the members of you know the all uh, African American team, the first all uh, African American you know starting lineup in in Major League Baseball. I I could have seen them, you know, making even twenty. Some people have talked about, hey. Roberto's, you know, he's the guy. Maybe we just have 21. 
at that point in time, you know, maybe throw Babe Adams in there, the most the most wins in in Pirates history for a pitcher back in like 19 God knows what, you know, before I was born. But I, I think in, in essence, they, they stopped a lot of the guys like right around like 1979. And I think that, you know, they could have made it less and then, you know, done a certain number, like 10 every class or whatever. But what people don't understand was, is this was announced uh, that this was going to happen at the end of the 2019 season when Steve Blass retired. Um, I was I was at that game when Steve Blass, you know, came out in the field and talked to all of us. And they announced, you know, in front of everybody that he was going to be one of the inaugural members of that class. That ceremony was supposed to happen in 2020. Pandemic hits, all this kind of stuff. It's pushed back two years. So who knows, like, what kind of planning and everything went into this. Maybe the first group was only going to be 10 guys. Who knows? But I, I think they did it pretty well. Uh, like I said, there could be little tweaks here and there. People said, why are they just plaques? Why wasn't it more? I don't know. I, I feel like they did a a pretty good job with it. If you're into sports, you're into bars, you're into good food, Patrick's Pub and Grill has all of that. Uh, they've got weekly draft specials every day of the week. Pick a day. Pick a day, Craig. Um, I usually, like I said, th- Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday. All right, Wednesday, they got Moosehead Lager, 375, okay? That's pretty solid. And then also, Good Times Karaoke every Wednesday from 9 until midnight. Open mic every other Tuesday at 6 p.m. on their beautiful patio. And Sunday is Wing Day with Wing Specials. Make sure that you get out to Patrick's Pub and Grill, catch a uh, Pirates game, I'm sure uh, Steelers games, and all kinds of good stuff there. Uh, an excellent spot to go and hang out for all the bucks in the basement fans my question is this the plaques do they have all their numbers on them like are these number retirements as well i couldn't catch that when i was trying to figure out what was happening here no it's 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 not a number retirement um there are certain numbers that you know they do have in they there didn't, like retire more numbers that's what i was wondering no it, it didn't no no more no more numbers retired there you see because that's the thing like to me and i'm gonna sound very cynical here and i'm sorry but I, that's the kind of person that i am to me, I look at that and I go, okay, cool. It's 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 a neat little PR thing. If your number's not retired, the people with their numbers retired are those that are, they're higher up than the people that are just got the plaques, right? So like my initial thing, whenever I see a Hall of Fame, even with the Baseball Hall of Fame, right? The National Baseball Hall of Fame, I always think there should be less people in it. I, I think there's way too many people in it. There's way too many very goods in there that are not greats. It's really kind of become diluted over the years when you look at the people that sometimes get into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. I mean, there are guys now that at 45 years old, I see them going in there and I sit there and think to myself, I don't know. I was a kid. I watched it through a kid's eyes where I thought these guys were amazing. And that wasn't even one of the top five guys that I was paying attention to back in the 80s. So I, I do think that it's becoming that. And I'm one of those guys. It's like, keep it close. Keep it tight. You know, you really got to be special to get that kind of stuff. This is kind of a, an interesting way to honor guys without doing the number retirements. So in, in that case, go nuts and add whoever you want to. I think they should do 10 more next year, right? I mean, I just get get crazy. When are we going to get guys in there from the 90s? Like, start grabbing some of those folks. Maybe that's next year when they do it, okay? But I mean, like, start, like, you know, plucking some more names. I would have no problem with making it as big as you possibly want to make it because if it's separate from the number thing, numbers for the superstars, Okay, and then the plaques are for everybody just because we have a good memory of them. Yeah, and and I think that's where it kind of boils down to. And and some of the guys that were on there, you know, they have their numbers retired as well. So so they might have been like shoe ins, but like one of the big things is like, you know, Dave Parker, the Cobra, who, you know, there's been a big push for him to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. 
I got to put on like you know the gold jacket they had for the pirates there and 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 to be remembered so, so that was kind of a cool thing and like you said chris you know getting some guys from the 90s which is always going to cause some controversy because you know barry bonds comes back into the conversation but barry bonds with the pirates other than trying to throw out sid bream pretty much one, one of the best players that anybody has seen step into three rivers or pnc park pirates fans shouldn't like distance themselves from Barry Bonds. They got pre-steroid Barry Bonds. They got normal sized head Barry Bonds. <laughs> they got they got like five tool athlete Barry Bonds. Like that that's the Barry Bonds that I think national baseball fans like to remember. But, you know, when you look at Barry Bonds, think of him in a Pirates uniform. Pirates fans should celebrate Barry Bonds. They should have all their images of him and everything they do should be when he looked like Barry Bonds before he started taking horse steroids or whatever he was doing. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but before he started getting into that stuff, that's what Pirates fans should enjoy. You should put him up there. Right? You know, I, he should be somebody. If you don't want to retire his number, fine, but put him on the plaque. I would have no, I would have no problem with that. And you can even put whatever you want to on the plaque, like left Pittsburgh and went down a bad path. Right. <laughs> Get, get funny with it. It's your it's your thing, right? I mean, who cares if you insult him? It's not like he's gonna come hang out there very often. You know, just kind of throw it in there, like ah, you know, really good for us. We don't know what the hell happened when he left. Like, make jokes on the on the plaques. That's what I would do. Because, like I said, the numbers that were retired, those are the ones that are your your ultimate players. Those are the that's your your real Hall of Fame. It, when somebody is so good, they take the number down. They don't let you wear it again. What do we got here? One. Four, eight for Stargell, Mazeroski's nine, uh, uh, Wainer, uh, trainer. Uh, you got uh, Roberto Clemente, of course, at 21, Hornus Wagner at 33. You don't have a lot of them, right? Danny Murtaugh at, uh, at 40, and then you got the Jackie Robinson number that everybody has retired. Right there, okay? The, there may be other names on those plaques. That, I think, is a bigger deal. Have fun with the plaques. Go nuts with the plaques. Add 10 plaques every year for all I care. Make it make it a wall of names. Make it ridiculous. Write funny things on there. I'm I'm absolutely fine with it. I, I people that are sitting around that are upset about the wall when it it isn't the same as the number being retired are just looking for things to be upset about. Okay, go to Starbucks and argue about your coffee not being right if you need to get your fix on that. I don't know why you're so upset about with this. <laughs> yeah, like I said, man, I'm I I thought that it was done pretty well and. I mean, you, on Barry Bonds, as you could write, you know, took a lot of money and a lot of other stuff when he left. I mean, who right. knows? That's, that's yeah, why yeah. he left was for money, his and head, then he took some... His head swelled 10 sizes bigger than what it was after he left, right? I mean, like, you know, this is the before picture. Put that at the bottom. That'd be kind of funny. <laughs> like, yeah, pictured before. Just write it like that. Like, everybody knows what it means. I, I would have no problem with that whatsoever. I think that, I, I think that a team like the Pirates, and I think a lot of teams in Major League Baseball, everybody sits around and wants to act like they're the Yankees, right? Well, the Yankees won an awful lot of championships, and they've been doing it now for 100 years. They're a completely different thing. Everybody wants to be them, but you know what? Be your own personality, okay? Enjoy the goofiness. Enjoy the weird. You know, it I have no problem with putting people up on the wall and celebrating a little bit of history of baseball and maybe recognizing some folks that will never be good enough that you would take their number down. Plus, you only have a finite amount of numbers, right? So it gives you a chance to celebrate guys and show your history off without actually giving them the the utmost highest award. I, the plaque thing, I think, is a great idea in this, this section that they've set up because of the fact that you could teach history without having to dilute 
your real Hall of Fame, which is the retired numbers. Yeah, Chris, and I, I couldn't I couldn't agree with that more. And I I just feel like that it, it I mean, not that it could have gone better if you know, maybe it would have gone better if it happened in 2020, because that would have been like, you know, right as soon as Ben Sherrington was coming in and there wouldn't be such an awful taste in, you know, people's mouths, you know, coming out of like, you know, year three of the rebuild uh, at the end here, even. And he actually said rebuild, which is awesome. I'm, I'm so proud of him for actually using the word rebuild. But I, maybe it would have gone over better. I just think that people just have just such a bad taste in their mouth about, you know, what's gone on since the the all-star break. And and looking forward to what's going to be happening. Still seeing players like, you know, Josh Van Meter, Greg Allen on the roster, you know, seeing Dwayne Underwood Jr. thrown out there when, you know, everybody thought that Chase D. Young was a little bit fresher. Just everybody, I mean, God, not not that it's not a cesspool all the time, Chris, but, you know, Pyre Social Media now is like the cesspool of all cesspools. So people just react horribly and they probably maybe would have anyway just because you know bob nunning actually came out of his you know came off the island got flown on the helicopter for the day and and actually spoke to us peons so i i don't know man it, it could have gone either way listen you could go out right now in in the off season and you could add some pieces around these guys and they could be competitive in 2023 and i think that if there is angst and there are people that are upset and they're just looking for a reason to be angry. So they get upset about the, the, the ceremony and the plaques or whatever they're upset about. I think that should be a really good indication that, all right, it's been several years now of the rebuild. When is the upward motion begin? Okay. I mean, not everybody's going to be ready again. I don't think that this is a team that competes for a world series in 2023, but you could start growing. You could start becoming a competitive team. You have to teach a winning way to your young players and you could start filling in a few holes here. There's a point where you have to start saying, okay, we got a long look at a lot of guys that we gave an awful lot of playing to time to that would not have gotten that playing time on another team. Right? I mean, that's basically what the pirates are at this point. They're a team where players that nobody has time for can sit there and say, we're going to give you 500 at bats and see if you can figure it out because you know, somebody one time thought you were going to be great and we don't want to miss out. And, and we, we might get lucky with you. But at some point, it needs to become, you've got to earn your spot on that field because we're bringing in a couple of guys that are actually professional baseball players. We've got a few more that we've developed that are professional baseball players. And we're going to feel the team that from one to nine could start on other professional baseball teams. That's what the goal should be this offseason for this team, because you can see it right now when you take Quintana off the team and Vogelbeck walks away, even though, I mean, he's not a superstar, but he's a he's a vet who's been around a little bit and can hit the ball. When you start like peeling away some of the pieces, look at how everybody else started to go down here at the end of the year. This can no longer happen. It hurts growth. It hurts the growth of the other players. It hurts the fact that, I mean, every, the moment it starts to slide down that hill like a snowball and gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and now I'm seeing OPSs drop, I'm seeing, I'm seeing some poor performances in there, I'm seeing a team that's just going to basically like limp through the last couple of weeks of this season, and I think you're giving up really good development time by not starting to build a winning culture. And you cannot just go into one single offseason, flip a switch, bring in a bunch of new faces and say, now we're a winning culture. That's that's not how that works. So instead of going out for the rental players that you think you can flip at the trade deadline, start signing guys that you're like, this is a Pittsburgh pirate. 
that is going to be on the Pittsburgh Pirates as the Pittsburgh Pirates compete for titles, division titles and and the, the NLCS and the World Series. And it, we may not be doing that in 2023, but these are the beginning pieces mixed in with a Brian Reynolds and a Cabrian Hayes and an O'Neill Cruz. And we're waiting on a few other guys to get here. And that is going to be it. And we're going to start winning a little bit here. We're going to find out whether or not our manager is the right manager for the job, because there's a lot of guys that sit around during uh, rebuilds that when it comes time for them to win, teams replace those guys. Because you're, now you're looking for the best uh, guy with strategy and that can keep your team going and can push them through the dog days. It's time to start finding out what you have. I think it's a big offseason for the Pirates. I think if they go through this offseason and do nothing, and it's just like, oh, we're just in another year of the perpetual rebuild, I think at that point you can start rattling sabers and lighting your torches and walking over to the ballpark and screaming with your pitchforks. You have every right to do it at this point. You have to, I'm not looking for a World Series contender. I'm looking for somebody to show me, yes, we've added these two guys or these three guys and they're pirates for the next three, four years. And they're mixing with what we grew inside of our system. And we are now building towards that, co that competition. And you're going to see something different in 2023. Yeah, Chris. And, and it comes down to, you know, I, I, I hate to, we'll, we'll just beat on Josh Van Meter one more time is we didn't know why he was signed in the first place. It's not Josh Shane Meter's fault he was signed, but he was signed. He got injured. He came back. The one thing I want to point out, I, I don't want to see any more Josh Van Meter signings. I, Greg Allen, I was okay with because I didn't know what part he was going to play. He also got injured and, and didn't, you know. So uh, people don't want to see any more of that. But before we got going today, Chris, I was talking to you. I just wanted you to guess at how many plate appearances, actual plate appearances Josh Van Meter has had in the last month since August 2nd. How many plate appearances do you think Josh Van Meter has had? I don't know. I couldn't even begin to guess on this one. You're, you're going to tell me it's way too many, though, I'm pretty sure. 23. Still way too many. He hits 187. It's way too many. He should have zero. Well, he should have zero, but, <laughs> it, but, but what are you going to do? Are you going to have Diego Castillo? Right. In there only getting 23 at-bats? Are you going to have Travis Swaggerty in I, there only get 23 at-bats? Well, that's the thing. And that's where it now comes down to what do you have? What do you have? What are you going forward with? And start shaking some of these guys off. I mean, how many opportunities can some of them get? Okay, nobody's going to judge you poorly if you let go of a Josh Van Meter. He catches on someplace and all of a sudden becomes a superstar. It would be a really it would be an impossibility, a complete improbability, okay? <laughs> nobody's going to blame you for that. Nobody's going to sit there and say, well, you screw that one up. No, everybody's going to sit there and say, nobody saw that coming. Nobody at all. He must have found like an ancient charm in a cave in the offseason that when he wears it gives him special powers of being a good hitter. That would be the only explanation at this point. It's okay to move on from those guys and start adding a couple of pieces that you think, along with your young talent, are going to make up the core of this team moving forward and you have a few veterans and a few guys that have gone out and played and don't worry about am I a major leaguer that's it you need more guys that aren't worried am I a major leaguer so they can help the guys that are trying to figure out am I a major leaguer okay because you can't sit around and say well O'Neill Cruz should be leading us he just got here and Chris for some reason every single time you talk I, I think of like the weirdest stuff and, and I just gotta let people know this I I thought about like Josh Van Meter like finding the opposite of that little tiki idol from the Brady Bunch, the one that gave everybody bad luck and almost killed everybody. Like Josh Van Meter just goes out and finds like he he's like the Lord of the Ring. He finds the ring and he just becomes this, you know, 
So I went from like the Brady he Bunch did, to Gollum, hits, My he, Precious, right. and all this kind of stuff. That's where my brain goes, dude. That's that's what this season has done to me. He hits a line shot to the shortstop. It stops right before it hits the shortstop's glove. Goes up ten feet in the air and then jumps over him for a base hit. Like weird things start happening. Like it's angels, angels in the outfield. In the outfield. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I see the changes in this town. They change. They say one thing, but. The-